You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat, or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com. Hi, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ayahuasca Talks, our first in 2018. And I just wanted to say hello to everybody who has done the medicine and is curious about other people's experiences. And to those of you who haven't or are just discovering it for the first time, um, before I introduce my guest, I just wanted to say that one of the reasons why I did this show, there are many reasons, um, but one of them has to do with the fact that a lot of us come back from these experiences and we're just bursting to talk about it. So I give people an opportunity to do what I was dying to do when I came back. And also people are telling these incredible stories to people who have no frame of reference whatsoever. And um, I also wanted to um, open up the lines of communication um, for those people who wanted to introduce to their families and friends um, another source of information about this medicine and know that there are other people out there having these experiences and it's not just your crazy sister, daughter, son, <laughs> brother, cousin. <laughs> you can always point them to this show and say, hey, guess what? It's happening to many people all over the world and it's a pretty amazing thing. So, um, welcome again, and my guest today is Namaya Ariana. Hello. How are you? We haven't seen each other in ages. <laughs> no, it's been quite a while, I think, since one of the last circles that we created with the integration that's uh, right. circle, and that's actually how we got to meet, because I wanted to share that kind of platform as well and have a space where I could you know, process my own journey as I had returned from the jungle um, yeah. in my own way. So thank you so much for you know expanding this experience out there and and getting it out there in um, bigger and bolder ways because it's definitely a medicine that needs to be shared um, and the insights are so key and valuable to us as um, as a resource to be able to understand that there's something bigger out there happening and this is an amazing and integral tool uh, to really expand and explore your mind in such a profound way. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what an intro. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you what is ayahuasca and I think it's just going to be an expansion of that statement. 100%. <laughs> so what is ayahuasca? To me, it's divine. It is a sacred tool. So the, uh, the actual medicine to me is a tool, um, but the spirit that lives within is a flow of consciousness. It is a mother that is birthing new experiences and exploring its own journey and integrating itself into the consciousness and the exploration of other individuals that are choosing to engage a multidimensional experience, multidimensional reality with others out there that are looking to transform, heal, and embrace embody a new form or wave of consciousness on our planet. We get help in so many different ways and us being able to tap into a plant medicine of such profound nature, we get to explore a collaborative experience through other dimensional realities as well. And to me, that's just so beautiful because we have all these different human beings and vessels here on this planet that we get to collaborate with, but we also get to collaborate with this, this mother and this teacher and this wise, wise soul woman. 
who really wants to shed new light into this world. Um, so yeah. Beautifully said. Okay, so let's move on to how you discovered this magnificent plant medicine. What, what was going on in your life at that time? So what was going on in my life at that time was I was actually in the process of beginning a journey. So I was beginning a journey of healing, uh, emotional trauma. So uh, much about my story is in the background, I was always dealing with a lot of depression, a lot of suppression of deeply, deeply rooted spiritual gifts. However, I just wasn't quite aware or understood how to activate those in the most um, wholesome form. Now, I was always activating as a healer, creating space and and actually working with the unseen. However, I really wasn't conscious of it because I shut it down very early. There were a lot of things that took place in my life and it put me on a journey. Throughout that journey, I was able to really discover what it was that I did want for my mind, body and soul and what it was that I didn't. But that had to go through a process of elimination. So when I first uh, was dealing with a lot of the depressive thoughts as an early age, I went to the Western medicines because that's that's what's available. That's what's accessible to us. And it's a part of our culture. However, I didn't quite jive with the whole experience. It left me feeling very numb, very uh, disconnected from who I was and from the people in the world around me. Um, there's, a, there's a huge backstory, I guess, where I kind of I went and kind of navigated myself through. Um, I ended up in a car accident after, you know, actually asking for death. I had dealt with suicidal thoughts for a very, very long time. It's, I can relate, by the way, to um, a lot of the experience with with the med- with the Western medicines and and the effects mm-hmm. of them and the the isolation. You know, the the they further um, isolate you in in a way, and they they numb you. And um, I remember actually being grateful for being numbed. That's how sad that that picture was. You know, I can understand. <laughs> and then and not recognizing just what a bad sign that was. You know. I thought it was okay <laughs> to be living life like a robot at yeah. that point because I was just feeling so much. So much was trying to come through me. I just didn't understand how to deal with it because yeah. of the intense waves that I can feel in connection to this planet, in connection to this change that we're going through. Exactly. And this is a, a part of the process of why we're being drawn to this medicine. Sure. We have to go through our own healing journeys for us to be able to awaken to what's actually possible. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we are going through big changes and it's 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 interesting. Interesting, but it's going to challenge us. So you you had suicidal thoughts, and by the way, um, after I started to move beyond the medicines, I started to discover all kinds of stories that are um, connected with suicide, connected with the medicines, the Western medicine. Mm-hmm. So this numbing effect actually can really um, you know make things so much worse. In, in many cases and, and has been responsible. Like, in fact, it's even stated as a side effect. Wow. I, mean, yeah. I did not know that. I, I know. was having the thoughts before the medicine. I was going through very intense dreams while on that kind of medicine, the Ooh, Western medicine. Me too. And that was not pleasant. very scary spaces. Not pleasant. Right. And it was, <laughs> I realize now, now after years, like this is years beyond this point when I was in my car accident, when I, Uh, was like 2003. So before that, I was dealing with these intense experiences. 
Um, and I was now can understand the reflection of it after doing the dream work and the dream analysis and really diving into that that world, that metaphysical reality of yeah. exploration, that it was spirit, like spirits were trying to connect and communicate with me. And it was just like a whole different journey, a whole different journey. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was terrifying. <laughs> so you did end up in a car crash. You know, you, you'd be surprised at how many people tell me that particular story mm-hmm. that, that talk about their ayahuasca journey, that they actually came to a literal impact. It was a literal <laughs> impact. Yeah. Uh, and I asked for it. Yeah. Um, I didn't quite understand. Like, I was just going through such pain that I was like, just please, just please Something. give me this. And I literally asked the, for the exact thing. And I didn't quite understand. Like I asked, can you please have a car, like a truck hit me and just take me out on the same road and all that. Like it all just came to be in the exact way that I was crying out each night as I would drive home to receive. I just didn't understand it at that point. Right. So it led me on this journey. And throughout that journey, I was able to, like, navigate a lot of my dream spaces a lot better through that process. Right. So that's actually what led me to the experience because I decided I'd step away from the Western medicine when I, I moved to New York based off of a dream okay. to on 10-10-10. It told me very specifically 10-10-10, move to New York and $10,000 in your pocket. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But I'm going to do it. Okay. So tell me something. Yes. This is after the car accident. This was after the car accident. So, so about t- five years after the car accident. Okay. But the car accident, was that a pivotal time that brought you away from, from Western medicine? Is that what did it? It did start to okay. bring me away from Western medicine. Okay. It started me on a journey of creativity. It started me on a journey of building business. It started me on a journey of discovering what love is. Nice. So it's been a very long journey, which is hmm, beautiful yeah. in its process. But it took a delayering and a decluttering mm-hmm. and some very, very special people to walk into my life to activate, nice. to bring about awareness, and to bring about lessons so that I could navigate these choices that I made specifically that stemmed from a couple different car accidents in which I've been in and that I've seen the light beyond from. I just needed different activations, I guess, along the way in order to bring back those memories so that I could really speak to them very clearly versus not having really had a grasp or an awareness um, around that when I was much younger. So um, after these accidents, you went through, you know, the hospital experience. I mean, even though ultimately, uh, like a lot of painful experiences, they ended up teaching and moving you forward. That's a painful way to do it. I'm sure you do it in a very different way now. (laughs) I do it in a very different way now. So you you ended up having a a couple of accidents Mm -hmm. and you ended up moving to New York because you started to pick up more clearly on these signals that you were getting this this active communication with this higher consciousness. And you ended up following it instead of stifling it, I imagine, right? Very much so. Very much so. The connection to spirit just started awakening. However, I still wasn't claiming it as that. I Uh, still wasn't quite aware, right? I totally get that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Isn't it crazy how we can? And I, I, li- I like to say crazy is beautiful now. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, like, well, if you want to know what crazy really is, look around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. We all. War and mayhem. Like, this is our history. <laughs> if we're calling that normal, then yeah, okay. <laughs> crazy is pretty good. <laughs> So much love there. <laughs> so much love there. <laughs> um, so I actually just like dropped that thought, which is kind I'm of sorry. funny. No, it's, you know what you need to be sorry. It's a very interesting thing that takes place. What I notice is that sometimes the energy just kind of say like, that's not exactly the way or the, the moment to share that kind of perspective. So I guess what's really kind of coming to me is that through these moments of really being able to be present to the the deeper spirit awareness that kind of was coming up and awakening inside me or, and becoming a remembrance for me. Good. I was really able to navigate uh, my way into energy work and was really able to navigate my way into getting healing in a new form, in a new way. Okay, so tell us what happened with getting to New York. So you you received this message, and what did you tell the people around you? I mean, how did you actually convey that, or did you bother? Did you just say, you know what, I'm just moving to New York? I just told them that I had a goal. I believe I might have mentioned that I had a dream and, you know, that kind of thing. And we're all kind of inquisitive spirits in my family and, and around me. A lot of people in the outside world were kind of like, you're doing what? <laughs> because to them, making big shifts and big changes like that can be very scary. Sure. So I got a lot of questions of like, why would you just up and leave everything? Because I had a business going here and um, I just was in a different frame of mind. However, that didn't mean that I needed to leave my business. However, I chose to shift it. Um, I decided that I would go with my business. So I was in an event designer and I took that and brought it to New York. Now I had goals and dreams and things and intentions that I had set out for myself and what I intended to do, I went and I did, Good. which was incredible for me. <laughs> so what did you do? So the one big goal, which is uh, one of the key aspects that I wanted to experience while I was there in my business at the time, was being able to work and learn from um, someone named Preston Bailey. Okay. And he is an event designer in um, in the States and in New York, and he is a global leader in in events and creating space and creating environments that are built in epic beauty. And while it was a very mass, mass scale production, I learned a lot of lessons from it. And within three months of me moving there and um, setting that goal, I, I had set the goal a while before, but kind of put it in the back burner a lot of times. Okay. Um, but as soon as I decided I was going to, you know, make that move happen, I just started activating and just reaching out and connecting. And within three months of me being there, I was able to start working for him and really starting to learn the ropes. And I got to learn from one of the best producers that I could have ever wished for um, to be as a as a guiding teacher. And Fabulous. that was his executive producer. So, wow. Yeah. So um, what, how did that ultimately lead you it was your first experience there and it wasn't um my first experience was in peru however it led me there because i started feeling into the city 
I was being activated through the energy work that I was doing with uh, the healer that I was working with there. He's a facilitator in neural organizational technique. Ooh, um, yeah, that's it's, quite a statement. It is quite <laughs> a <it>. statement. <laughs> Uh, it stems from chiropractors, actually. So they do applied kinesiology. Okay. And the first experience I ever had was with uh, Dr. Tangri, uh, Dr. Shield Tangri in Costa Rica, actually, while I was at a wedding for my sister. And in that moment, I felt for the very first time present, aware, and somebody actually noticed or understood that... I had suicidal thoughts hmm. and I didn't tell him. So it was like a kind of a big mind-blowing moment. Somebody could read me in such a way. Right. These are steps towards there's something else going on here I need to know about. Yeah. How is this possible? And it had I to provoke my curiosity, yeah. right? And <laughs> that's what this medicine does. It provokes your curiosity. A sure. lot of these plant medicines do, but there's something about the wisdom in ayahuasca that really pulls and draws that out. Mm-hmm. So it started activating in me a long, 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 long time ago. But I... Oh, sorry, through my work with the energy work, I was able to start awakening gifts. So I started awakening out of my body. I started having waves pour through the walls and light sparkles light up around me. And I was like, what's happening? All these metaphysical, very um, synesthetic experiences were taking place. And I just kind of was freaked out because I didn't quite understand still. So they were both um, visual and and sensual, like you could sense them, you could see them, you could feel them. And auditory. And auditory, nice, okay. Yeah. But scary, right, at the first. Like, it, there's part of you that's just so fascinated, and then there's another part of you going, this does not compute. Exactly. <laughs> and I must be crazy, you know. It was. It, it was. I was just like, what, what is happening? Because it was so physical. It was just as physical as you you are. Right. And I was like, okay, so something's being integrated. But again, I was still doing the studies and doing the deep dives into my work. However, I didn't really fully grasp it until I stepped into the arena of ayahuasca. Okay. And that that became um, or came about because of my dreams. Okay. So tell me about that. Tell yes. me what led you there. So I was really doing the dream work at this time. and After I would, the energy work kind of exactly. helped you to really start to pay more attention and understand and delve deeper into the dream work and start to navigate that world. Yes, That's wonderful. very close attention to <laughs> the reality. awfully familiar. <laughs> <laughs> right? Our stories quite often align in such a beautiful way. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, so how can we like really use these tools. Oh, there are plenty of ways we'll talk. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I really started digging into that. So I started journaling at that point. And in those journals, I would write down the messages that I would receive when I would wake up and the dreams in which I would have. Good girl. That's very specifically, right? So yeah. much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't always do it now, but I remind myself on very key moments. There's a lot of journaling that needs to take place, but I can't spend my day That's right. all day writing it's anymore. Like a lot. It's like a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so sometimes you just need to hold that space and speak sure. about it, share about it, and right. you know that you have it. Yeah. Um, but at that time, I was waking up and hearing a lot of voices kind of mm-hmm. sharing information f- with me and 
that moment, I actually woke up to the words dimethyltryptamine, dimethyltryptamine, dimethyltryptamine. And I was like, what? Love it when they repeat it. It's like, just in case you didn't get it, (laughs) we're going to bombard you with this until you pay attention. They did. And I still (laughs) didn't get it. I wrote down the completely opposite word. I was like, what is this word? Yeah. In future, for any of those those beings in higher consciousness, you know, DMT would have worked better. I just have to say that. I'm sorry. Right? Like I'm sure that could have made that really simple for me. You are familiar with it, right? <laughs> okay, we get to joke in this yeah. way. Because <laughs> everyone's listening. That's the key. That's the key message right. there. It's like there are ears all around us. Oh, yeah. Even if we aren't seeing them. Yeah, well, so. they do their fair <laughs> bit of joking, too. Exactly. <laughs> oh, they joke. Um, I actually have a really funny story uh, along my first uh, retreat with Ayahuasca that she was fa- She laughed. She <laughs> laughed hysterically. She. Um, so I work really well under pressure. I, oh, doing events, you would have to, exactly. right? Exactly. That's the way it goes. Exactly. And, like, I had her just kind of laughing at me at one point. She was just like, pressure. <laughs> pressure. <laughs> pressure. And it was just this like charismatic, but at the same time laughing like you think you have pressure, just wait. Oh, boy. Okay. That's interesting. Okay, so let's go back to uh, you sorting out the mystery of DMT. You finally figured mm-hmm. out what the hell that was, right? Yeah, that totally led me to DMT, the spirit molecule. Right. Oh, the uh, the doc, right? Yeah. Okay. But right. Um, what's actually quite interesting is that at the very same time, and now I'm not quite sure about the remembrance as to when the triggers took place, but I also had a boyfriend at the time that was really interested in exploring that as well. So he popped that up into my reality as well. So still not positive because there's always like this like mix of time that kind of takes place now. Sure, I know. But everything converged basically. Everything kind of converged at that moment to really say, "Mm, make some movements. I'm so so glad you said that, by the way, because I have such a difficulty. It's like, how long ago was that? And it's like, oh, my God, anybody's guess. Let's see. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's just like, ah, it's just so much takes place. It's difficult. And and the lines seem to blur in terms of time. But anyway. They do. (laughs) It's so nice to talk about this openly and and not feel like oh my god I'm just getting old and feeble (laughs) nope there is definitely a purpose a rhyme and a reason for it and I've learned that over time that there is no reason to feel like it's a negative anymore that if you lose a thought or if you lose track of where time aligns because we're realigning time we have a restructuring taking place and as we do the work we're integrating that work into our time-space continuum. It's That's right. It's actually the, happening. You know, we've often, I think that many of us have, have discovered, and even those who haven't even done this kind of work, that, that linear uh, tends to be limiting, you know, so... That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm with you, girl. <laughs> okay, but um, for the sake of, of trying to be relatively linear yes. for the show, just just so that we see the series of events and, and what led to what. Um, so we're going back to DMT, and you discovered it through the through a number of things, but you did watch the documentary. I watched the documentary. A lot of people did. That mm-hmm. was their discovery point, and, and did... Now, I'm trying to remember the documentary. Did they talk about, like, strictly DMT, or was it all ayahuasca? Or They added little hints about ayahuasca, but what actually really led me out to 
to ayahuasca was I actually uh, did a lot more research than Good. just that. I did a lot of digging because I was really exactly, <laughs> and I was really on the key of like I was spending a lot of time hermiting and really going into my consciousness. So I was smoking marijuana just about all day, every day. And that was allowing me to open my mind frame to really be able to receive the deeper hidden messages that so were this coming was through. intentional. Very intentional. It's a very different thing, by the way, just for those who are listening that, I mean, many of us discovered this. In fact, a lot of people after they do ayahuasca, they discover that their whole marijuana experience changes. And we have a relationship with all of these things. In fact, we have a relationship with everything. Mm-hmm. We have a relationship with these microphones. We do. <laughs> and look at how much better that got so quickly. We were having some technical difficulties, even technology is interesting. But, you know, you saying I I smoke marijuana all day long is like there are people out there that have no frame of reference and might think that that God knows what thoughts they might have. But it's a tool. It's another tool. tool. It can be, you know. It's a very important tool as well. There's other people who might never be able to work with, with that plant that way, which is just fine. You know, there's not this one size fits all situation where we're starting to discover that if nothing else. <laughs> exactly. And it's about self-discovery. That's yeah. the key message that I'm learning is that there are various different tools that will come into your life at different points. And each of them will have a value for the moment. Mm-hmm. And then at times you're going to veer away and choose other realities oh, and discoveries. Sure. And then you're going to learn more. And then when you come back to these medicines, these plants, these teachers of higher dimensional consciousness, and you can use them or experience them through different technologies as well. It doesn't have to be just the the plant-based technology. It can also be the the physical technology and then our inner technology. Um, it, It allows us to continue to expand and explore what those kind of uh, perspectives have for us and then how we can grow and learn more. So we're constantly, constantly collecting data, integrating, resourcing, and then reactivating and then bringing out new ideas and new perspectives and new visions. So what did marijuana have to say about ayahuasca? How did that lead you? It really allowed me to understand a deeper level of how the interconnectivity of reality takes place and is created uh, from a cellular structure and then building that out into a more expanded mind frame into space, time, and then the fluidity of consciousness. So through that, I was digging into metaphysics a lot. So I was really activating that. Um, But I was also really listening to other people's stories And the story that really drew me the most was gentleman Alexander Ward. So Alexander Ward is a visionary shamanic artist um, that deals a lot with the plant medicines, um, both psilocybin and ayahuasca. It's interesting that it was a fellow artist that appealed to you. There's reasons for these things. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And it really (laughs) uh, didn't activate in me and to accept until much later. Uh, However, uh, we became friends right off the bat, and we just really dug into our stories and it was amazing because he really helped guide me and say you know what DMT is probably not the best way for you Mm. to choose right off the bat and he was dead on yeah dead on Uh, ayahuasca was able to give me a much more ease (laughs) into the flow specifically because of the gifts that were opening up in my frame of vision and perspective and perception that I'm able to activate um like what we were talking about with that synesthetic experience. Okay, so that was 
at least though you had some frame of reference to that, they were kind of um, commenting on that and helping you to understand that and to reinforcing that, you know, this is happening for a reason, you're not crazy kind of thing. Exactly. Which is helpful. Yeah. Exactly. So tell me what happened when you decided to do ayahuasca. How did things go from there? So once I decided to go for ayahuasca, I had actually just completed a visit in Europe uh, with Alex. Uh, It was the second time I had visited him and some other friends that were out in England and went on a surfing trip and met somebody along the way who just asked me, he's like, what do you think about ayahuasca? And I was like, oh, let me tell you, because I had so much to say at that moment about it. I mean, I still do. However, uh, we ended up deciding at one point, I decided that I was going to take a trip at the end of my four months stint of traveling. It was the first time I ever took that time away, that kind of time away from work. And Were I, you still living in New York at this time? I yeah, was okay. still living in New York at the time, um, but I needed a break. I had just finished the largest production I had ever done um, for my own self. Okay. Um, it was a $2.5 million Super Bowl uh, project, oh and goodness, wow. I was the sole producer on it that worked with an agency and design team, and it was amazing. Uh, lots of acts of God that took place <laughs> and a lot of challenges to really – help empower me. However, it also kind of wore me out. I wasn't quite uh, in a frame of mind to to really feel like I could sit with it at that moment. So I needed to take some time away. It allowed me to take some time away. Nice. Yeah. So I was really able to step up and into a new perspective, a new paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel from that moment, having been able to be able to have that launching pad because uh, it was the most beautiful event journey to ever go on um, <laughs> at that moment in time. So I'm really grateful for it. Wonderful. Yeah. So I decided to leave New York, go to England, travel around Europe, to have this whole plan to go all the way east, all the way east. And something triggered in me. It was like, nope, go to Peru. So I went <laughs> all the way from England. I was in Oxford for the month living there and flew all the way to Peru. Um, I had a stop here. Did you have a place in mind? I did. So I went to, um, so it was, when I was researching, it was Tierra Vida. And then, but it was actually transformed at the time and it was called Namayakaya. Okay. So there's a greater story there about how I kind of got my name um, because my name has changed from who I was to who I am. Right. Um, because it was a gift that came in spirit through a dream work after my first retreat. Beautiful. And it took me a few years to accept, but I am so honored to have <laughs> this beautiful, powerful name um, and to be able to carry forward uh, the intentions of which I wish to create with it. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. So I went to Namaikaya, and there I got to meet this incredible woman that created a land that was built in pure love this community space and this retreat center that was just built with such pure light and pure divinity. It had the most epic experience. So my first ex- my, my first night actually kind of blew me out of the water. Because, of course. <laughs> right? Right? You think you know until you realize you have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, was really grateful for it. So when I decided to take that journey... Uh, my friend that I had met uh, decided to come with me. Oh, okay. So there was this like beautiful confusion that took place and like all this stuff started just like happening where he ended up coming a day late and I was able to share my story 
when I was there and know that we were connected. But at the same time, this was about me and my journey. Okay, so share that story. What happened your first night? So my first night, I got to really embody and understand that we are one and we are all connected. Uh, so I sat kind of fifth in row, I'll say, probably. Um, and we all sat in a circle. The Maloka, we had about, mm, I think, 20 people all together in that experience, um, which is about their max that they do. And there were two shamans, and they were going around um, the experience. So I first really stepped into the medicine. I was very much aware of like how posture is very key, allowing your your center to be very whole, pure, and really aligned. So it was very, I was very much sitting in a meditative stance. And I stayed there pretty much the whole night, um, except I was very much flowing and fluid with the, the snake-like kundalini energy. So my body was actually in a physical movement at this ta- this place. Oh, that undulation, I know that well. <laughs> uh, but I, I have to say I admire anybody who sits all the way through ayahuasca. I have, I have yet to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm, the lying down position is really good for me. <laughs> and Ayahuasca has certainly commented on that. I mean, the very first night she made a joke about my laziness and, and showed me a donkey. And oh, my God, it was funny. But anyway. That's amazing. So you sat there all night. Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the only night I could sit there all night like I feel that. a little shamed by it all, but, you know. No I'm, need. I'm, I'm going to plead that I'm older than you. and. <laughs> And probably in in much less good shape as you were then. But anyway, <laughs> she she lets me away with it now. We don't argue about that anymore. We have other things to talk about. But so um, so you had had all these dream experiences, and now you're in ayahuasca, and you're sitting there. And and how did it how did it unfold for you? Like, was it visual? Was it auditory? Tell me about that. It's the most funny story to me because ayahuasca is not a very heavy visual experience for me. Wow. And you're an artist, yeah. too, which is interesting. It is. It's been teaching me to see it in my everyday reality. Beautiful. So it doesn't want to bombard me with all the visuals because it doesn't want me to get hung up on just that aspect. It mm-hmm. really wants me to see and feel through my sensations, nice. not just my visual perceptions. So... What I noticed is that it gave me some vision, but it kept it very simple, clean for me. So it was very much a dark space, mm-hmm. black and violet. So that's very much how I see in a day-to-day when I close my eyes. Me too. It's, yeah, right? <laughs> yes. And she really activates that in you. And it allows you to really clear out the clutter, I find. Is that what you find too? Like it really allows you to like not get so distracted by all of the sensations that can take place there's a lot of um there's a lot of discussion and that goes on with us yeah. <laughs> and she you know just kind of catches me up on what's going on she we 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 explore the the landscape of my mind a lot and she indicates what's going on and um and then i discover certain things that are unhealthy and then i get to the point where i can ask the right thing so we all say i want this um and that's a good starting point but you know what she'll do is she'll kind of educate me and she'll show me my mind and help me see the kind of thoughts that are going on and what leads into certain directions and then and then i'll have a better request <laughs> And then we'll go deeper, and then I'll have even a better one. It's yeah. like, okay, now help me to, 
you know, do this. And, and we just, it's, it's like that. And it goes on and on. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely that way with me. It helps me navigate the, uh, the language system, uh, which is quite unique as well. Because the very first experience, it taught me about the languaging system. It taught me about her songs. So what I saw right off the bat was from the center of my mind, it decided to show me the Ikaros and all of the different ways in which it can pave a path. So what happened was it allowed me to follow one line of communication and it highlighted that in white. So everything else was black and then purple lines. And I got to see this beautiful white outlining where my thoughts went and which direction in which it traveled to. So who it was being directed towards. And I noticed that it was also in unison with the shamans. So the shamans were singing, but I was thinking and I was feeling and it was allowing me to acknowledge that we were in alignment. We were oh, attuned yeah, and we understood each other on a very deep core level. Oh, and this is happening with all of us all the time. Exactly. Yeah. These roots are spreading and shedding light inside of us. And it's activating remembrance as to who we are from the core essence. Mm -hmm. And when we get to understand that we are all connected and we can feel the same feelings as others can feel and embrace the experiences, but yet still be separate. Mm hmm and yet still be able to intuitively connect and help others navigate those systems. It really taught me about healing in that first moment because it walked me through every single individual that was sitting in that room and I got to purge when they purged. I got to feel when they felt. I got to laugh when they laughed. And it got me to the point where I really understood that we are truly one. Yeah. And that was like, and we're all impacting one another all the time. And whatever words we say, this this connection that goes on underneath it all, that's far more profound. Yes. <laughs> so if you think you're hiding anything from anybody, guess what? <laughs> and it opens you up to a level. And it's, it's funny because that hiding, what you just said right there is so key to me. Because what I've noticed that through my work in the last three years, I've sat with the medicine um, over 20 something times. It hasn't been like too many, but you know, we all have our numbers, whatever it is. Um, it's been an epic ride mm -hmm. and I've sat with it exactly the way that I've needed to, the amount of times in which I've needed to, and I've been able to walk with people through their healing journeys as they've journeyed through the experiences. And it really told me like, you can't hide. Yeah. You really can't hide. You have to really show up and show who it is that you are. It's a little and, game you're playing, and mm -hmm. it's not a good one. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's no reason to hide who it is that you are because you are a beautiful, beautiful soul. There's an importance to who it is that you are, what it is that you can do, and mm -hmm. why the love that you carry is so valuable and so key and so important to shed light into this world. A very unique version, mm -hmm. a very unique manifestation. Absolutely. So, okay, so you got these pathways that were identified to every person through the vehicle mm -hmm. of of the Icaros mm -hmm. and and of um, of that vision that was helping 
you established that. And was that the whole first night? Was that opening and, and that experience of everybody? There were a lot of other kind of experiences in that night. But the only other thing that's actually really coming to my mind, and that's kind of how I like to work, is sure. what kind of flows in that moment, Absolutely. is that uh what I acknowledged was that I actually knew how to communicate with the shamans, but um, in a form of respect. So I didn't know this. However, when they approached me, I sat up and I put my palms together and I bowed. And that's actually a very common practice in shamanism. When you meet and greet a shaman in the medicine, you um, like shaman to shaman. And I didn't understand that until I exited the next day, was working through integration. And that was pretty profound to me because the shaman sung me a completely different song than anyone else. And I didn't quite understand why. Um, I could hear their voices the next night in my head speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And they weren't speaking to anybody else. And that was quite profound. Uh, The next night I could see wormholes opening up and a shaman coming in and out. No one else could see, obviously. Um, But it was very specific to me, and that was in the middle of a field that was covered in trees. Okay, so are we talking in the medicine or just the next day? In the medicine. Okay, in the medicine. So the second night, the second night is what was really starting to open me up to that multidimensional reality and how we travel. And that's not something I was unfamiliar with. I had seen it before. I had opened up gateways like that in between my dream states when I become out of body and really um, begin to travel. This this <laughs> hands coming together thing, I have gone through periods where I can't stop myself. Yeah. It's like and, and I, I look down and I notice it's happening. And but I go through phases with it. There's other phase where I wanted to hold everybody's hands and believe me, that was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody wants to hold hands. So I had to had to rein that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, th- it, we actually do have to learn how to navigate other people's space sure. as well. Oh yeah, I've had people want to come and fan me, and I distinctly had to ask them, "Please leave." I mean, this is like in everyday life, though. This isn't just like in the medicine and in those experiences. I'm talking about like I'd go through months where I just like really wanted to hold people's mm-hmm. hands, and some people I would like be able to get away with it, but you know, I had to just lay off sometimes. And but this this hands together thing in the prayer position. Oh my God. There was like months where I went doing that a lot. And again, it was one of those instinctive things that happened before I even, I'd look down and find myself doing it. You know, (laughs) it wasn't a thought process at all. It was, you know, just one of those things. But um, okay, so there you are, and you're having these interactions with the shamans. Did you get a chance to discuss that with them, by the way? I didn't. Uh, There was not very much communication between them. I found that too in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, And even later dates when I had gone back and when I was actually working there and, um, and going through like a deeper awakening and healing journey with them and helping others heal, I had a moment where I wanted to ask them and they still, these shamans that I spoke to weren't really able to navigate an expression what was taking place. You know, it's funny because I, because of my own experiences, I really was just, I really wanted to do that so badly. I wanted to ask them mm-hmm. what, what does this mean and all of that. And I never got a chance and I know, of course, there's a reason for that. And exactly. it's almost been taunting me over the years because I keep thinking that there's going to be this big answer that's going to come through human lips and it's going to solve all of my 
doubt and all of my all of my questions. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, they connect with this higher consciousness. We connect with this higher consciousness. And um, what my message was was, you have to trust what's happening to you, and you can't. You know, you're not going to get anybody to validate it for you, no matter how much you try. That's exactly it. Yeah. And for some of us, that's how we have to learn. It, it's that's true. That's how we've requested to learn. And for some, they get their answers. They can ask, and I've seen it. They've asked, and they've received answers. However, for me, and clearly for you as well, yeah. there's a process <laughs> of our own self-discovery that we've really needed to take on. Yeah, That level of curiosity can help us build our world. There's a reason why we learn like, or why we have this draw to want to connect or like hold hands and do those kinds of things in the medicine, because it's also teaching us how to act and react and create out of the medicine. Mm -hmm. It's helping us learn how to build worlds. So there's a lot in which you can experience and there are levels that are, that's teaching that's taking place. Oh yeah, tons and tons of that. In yeah. fact, you know, I at the beginning I was I was uh, because this voice just continued this dialogue continued with me. I would actually pay people to hear them say the things that I was hearing in my head. It's like, okay, so tomorrow this woman's going to come and here's what she's going to tell you. Then <laughs> she'd show up, I'd pay the money and she'd tell me the things that I heard the night before and I'm like, okay. And so they're thinking, you know, they're saying well, you can continue to to do that if you like, but you know, or you could just do it yourself. I could just, I could just accept what they were saying to me. It was much easier and less expensive. <laughs> yep, I kind of went through that similar process. And I mean, you know, no disrespect to the people who were doing this; they were doing their job that I asked them to do. You know, I mean, yeah. Um, sometimes we work with other people, but I, I guess they were just telling me, "Look, you either trust this or you don't." And mm -hmm. and we had to play some silly games, or I did. <laughs> for a bit. I think that that's the mother process, though. Like, if we really look at it, sometimes. We we need our, our parents to kind of hold our hands for a little while until we get comfortable walking or running on our own. So sometimes we kind of come back and we're like, oh, I'm feeling a little unsteady. Can I just like, can you just hold me for a moment? Mm -hmm. And then you, then they're like, okay, now go. Like, and they try to push you out, like not push you out, but like they try to like say, run, like yeah. scurry. You oh, can do yeah. this. Yeah. You can fly, little one, fly. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, let me fly. And then you fall and you're like, okay, I got to come back. And then you got to like go out again. And then you do these like testing of waters mm -hmm. that takes place. And it's the same thing with like this higher consciousness. Like oh, we sure. test our waters and then we get stronger. We build our muscles and we begin to expand and grow and Eventually, we blossom and then we transform mm -hmm. and we have the death and then the rebirth process. And that's actually the point in which I'm at right now is go moving through that death and rebirth process. Not always easy. Not always easy. And yeah. it's not always instant. It can be a very long, drawn out process or it can be a very quick and seamless process. It could be in the medicine, it could be out of the medicine. It's always to learn. <laughs> so... So that was your second experience when you were uh, experienced that wormhole and this shaman coming in and out and that these communications from the shamans and then um, and how many more ceremonies did you have and is there any I other had, stories in that that particular period that you wanted to share? I had two more experiences in that uh, particular uh, experience. However, um, really the the greatest takeaway that I had was to really embody my own self and the highest version that I could of myself to tap in. Like I went with the intentions to to clear out the creative blocks, to tap into the, the divine creative gifts that I had 
and to really release a lot of the anger and frustrations in which I had with this world. Mm-hmm. And that was with my world, with the worlds of which I would build inside my mind with that negative self-chatter that can take place. Yep. I was a very <laughs> vivid creator. And but because I was feeding so much into the negativity, mm-hmm. I was unable to see my own light. Yeah. And it took me a long process to really reveal that. And it's been three years. It's been three years for me to really be able to ground in my self-confidence, to ground in my self-awareness and perspective of who I am, and accept that my creative vision is of value mm-hmm. and that there is a reason not to shut it down and say, there, I don't need that anymore, but to learn how to reactivate it and start from the core. And that was me claiming that I am an artist. I'm not just a designer and creating space, but I'm an artist. I'm a visionary artist at the core. And that was a really bold statement, but mm-hmm. I was the one that had to make that statement for myself. Absolutely. For me to be able to walk into those gifts. Yeah. Sometimes we just have to do it ourselves. And state and who we are and, and, and stand in who we are. Exactly. Instead of wanting everybody else to point us there. It's like, well, you know where you are. You just have to get there. And sometimes there's layers we have to shed in order to reveal that. So Very much so. I just wanted to talk a little bit before we uh, start to wrap up about what, what happened when you came home from that first experience because all these amazing things had happened to you. And and I I always like to talk about what happens with family and friends when you get home and you're like, oh my God, the sky just opened. Let me tell you all about it and what were the reactions and big changes in your life. I didn't share any of it. Oh my God, how'd you do that? (laughs) I'm so chatty, I can't possibly imagine. (laughs) I didn't share any of it with my family. I had to take time to navigate that kind of world with them, not because they aren't accepting and loving, um, just because I had to learn how to really communicate these messages in a way that can be understood by others who may and may not accept the path of a psychedelic. Mm -hmm. So that was a big learning curve, and I'm really appreciative of, you know, my family really being able to be open to explore that journey with me. Um, It took me moving back home and living with them for some time to really be able to open up and actually share my story, not just about ayahuasca, but about the depression. Yeah, exactly. So because they were aware, but they weren't quite aware, Mm. like there was still layers that I still hadn't shared with them. So that was really uh, quite a journey. But when I got back things started happening, even more profound experiences that I had to like learn how to navigate through because I was still living in New York at the time. And I lived there for another six months, but I shut down a lot. Um, The outside world, I didn't quite know where my place was and I wasn't feeling quite ready to go back to work, essentially. Yeah. I needed time for me still. So I went on a self-healing journey and that healing journey taught me even deeper levels of how to heal myself and others. So I started activating the self-healer and started uh, getting certifications for different healing practices. Mm -hmm. And then through that journey started uh, and then moving back into my my parents' space, uh, really healing um, and learning how to to do shamanic healings. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that led me back to the jungle. That led me (laughs) back to Toronto. That led me to the integration circle. That led me to you. That led me to art again. 
mm-hmm. and that led me to now. Um, there's so much, so much that's taken place. So there's so many different things in which I could share. But um, I know how much we're cut on time. Um, okay. And I think my story needs to be written down more. But I'm getting through that process and it's taking place. Um, but being able to share that is puts me in a really vulnerable space. Uh, and I'm learning to accept my vulnerability more oh, and yeah. more. And the truth of who it is and what it is that I've gone through and not feel shamed or uh, of guilt that I've chose to take time away. Um, As much as I even wanted to go back and do certain things, it was like the universe really needed me to really sit and be for quite some time. And that's what you needed. Mm -hmm. And I've been through this too. And and I had lots of people like, why this, why that? And I I just knew that they couldn't understand. And there was part of me that was was sad about that Mm -hmm. because you're going through something so beautiful and so profound and you want to share it. And and I did. I I couldn't resist because, you know, part of (laughs) when I asked Iboga, what is my purpose? I I saw a microphone. It's just my nature. (laughs) I, I like to communicate and share. So I did, and, and of course it wasn't always met with positivity, but I, I mean, they did exceptionally well, all things considered, you know, I got voices and all the rest of it, and but you know, they saw me come out of this profound depression, so that was working in my favor. But yeah, then suddenly I found myself isolating again, and it's good to hear, it's so important for us to share our stories, it really, really is, because there are people out there that are going to be truly impacted in a really positive way because you shared your story today. Yeah. I, I truly believe that, and I want to Me be too. able to continue to express and share. I feel like it's really important that we continue to do these kinds of things. Oh yeah, and get these messages out there into this world because there are a lot of people that are seeking, yeah, exploring, ready, willing, but yet still have an unknowingness or an uh, an unsureness because they're still seeking the story that will trigger them. Yeah. And I mean, you never know when that's going to happen. You can't always force it, but research is good. Um, But, you know, there are other aspects of of these stories that are really important that reinforce so many things. Like, um, I felt guilty for for isolating, you know. Now, mind you, I had my son and I was actually really building a good foundation with him that I didn't have because of the previous depression. Mm -hmm. So it was him and and not much else, and, wow. this, and, and all of this, wow. all of this inner <laughs> magic that was going on and, and deep work. And it just, it took time, you know, and I couldn't just go out there into the world and, and, and latch on to something again. I was not in a good state to do that. I was in a prime state to do the work that I needed to do. And it just took time and, yeah. and money. Yeah. <laughs> And and it did drain my resources, but you know it, it built me up too. But and it, it built, built me up, up too yeah. <laughs> in, in other really important ways that yeah. you know resources come and go. But this stuff, this is I had to shift my priorities, and 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 I'm glad. Did it, it taught me a lot about becoming my own resource? Yeah. Did it teach oh yeah. You that too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And how much abundance is actually there in front of you that you just have to be creative with, and that's where the creativity really takes place. Is like. There's a lot more there than meets the eye. When you feel stuck, just sit for a minute because you might be called to something and wonder why. You might question it. However, that something might be a catalyst for something else. Oh, it always is. You know, whenever we get into those states that that we feel acutely, Mm -hmm. there's something going on there. You know, there's there's a message in, in all of that. And um, anyway, I'm, you know, I'm sure we could fill a whole other show, at least, <laughs> with our discussion of your, <laughs> of your journey. 
But we're going to end this now, and I thank you so much for coming and sharing so openly with us today. Of course. I think if anybody would actually like to share, experience, or explore a little bit more about my journey, they could take a peek on the website. Sure, go ahead. Um, So that's namayaariana.com, which is N-I-M-E-A-A-R-I-N, sorry, I-A-N-A.com, so namayaariana.com. And, um, yeah, just keep discovering, keep playing, and keep allowing yourself to voice your feelings. And thank you so much for taking the leap and the bold to do what it is that you do, Rebecca. Perfect. Truly. You're welcome, and thank you. Thank you. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com.